0: So long, farewell, I'll be just saying good night. goodnight. Goodnight to Bernie Sanders. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. It is Andrew DeVitri, the mistress of pop culture, coming at you with these... Almost end of the week episode, which is just so exciting Uh, We are week four of quarantining So we are all safely social distancing And self-isolating ourselves Well, hopefully you are, and if you're not, and if you're going out in public Out and about, socializing, then all power to you For defying the laws of the government Or your local mayors, or whoever is, you know mandating these new laws of staying inside or whatever but anyways i hope everybody's having a really good week all things considering i myself am having a very long week but a very good week and you know i'm a glass half full type of person so i'm looking at sort of the positives of staying home and relaxing and being safe and getting to watch endless amounts of television and movies uh many of which I haven't watched for, you know, years and years, uh, thanks to Disney+. Um, and that was, of course, uh, starting my episode off with the iconic Rogers and Hammerstein Sin- – not Sin- – I was going to say Cinderella. Oh, my gosh. Well, they did Cinderella. But uh, the sound of music, of course, with Julie Andrews um, and-, and Christopher Plummer, uh, who, by the way, was just fabulous in Knives Out. I-, I don't even think I ever discussed Knives Out after I saw it, but it was just so great. And Chris Evans is just I- – I can't even handle him. I'm on Chris Evans' kick right now because I'm watching all the Marvel films, and I just watched um, – uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, then Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and I'm about to write. Uh, watch Captain America, uh, the third one with like, all of them fighting each other. Um, because I'm a, I'm a big Marvel junkie. Uh, I love, I just love it so much, Stan Lee is just an icon. But anyways, I say all that to say, I started this episode off with um, so long, farewell, because uh, of course a big news story today was the fact that um, the iconic, strong, resilient... Just never give up Bernie Sanders officially withdrew his candidacy for president of the U.S. of A. today, and I'm going to report all about that, I'm going to read what CNN wrote, and then what the New York Times wrote, Uh, and then I'm also going to talk about another uh, sad departure from, well, this is a sadder departure because it's a departure from our world, and that is uh, Linda Tripp, uh, the whistleblower in um, the Monica Lewinsky-Bill Clinton scandal back in the day, um, has uh, passed away, which is very sad, so... This first episode here I'm going to do today is politically based, I guess, more mainstream political, and although I primarily talk about pop culture stories, I thought it was very important, and I always say this, I love to provide a robust uh, amount of information, and, you know, dabble in politics and whatnot, because we're living in a world where, and we're living it during, uh, in an election time, which is so important, um, But interestingly enough, I actually was really happy with the news today because it wasn't so much negative information about the coronavirus, which of course we've all been inundated with, and it's getting really tough, um, a bit too much. So so I've had to limit myself down to one or two times a day to look at the news because I just can't handle it because I have a very delicate psyche. And quite honestly, I much rather watch *Desperate Housewives* than what the CNN anchors are saying. Um, Huge shout out to the Cuomo brothers. I'm literally living for their um, brotherly debacles online. Uh, Not online. Well, I watch online, but on um, you know television and whatnot. I just love their sibling rivalry, and would it be great if they both ran for president like VP and president like who would be I feel like Andrew governor of New York would be of course president and Chris the very handsome CNN news anchor who's just doing a glorious job of really um outlining the true symptoms of his personal uh struggle I don't want to know I I don't want to say struggle but I guess his personal experience with the coronavirus as he's been diagnosed with it and been self-quarantining quarantining in his basement uh, so he doesn't affect the rest of his family and I've just been loving how um, honest and candid he is uh, with that so yeah, so, bravo to him, bravo to him. But anyways, let's uh, let's just hop right into the, some stories here, because uh, there's a lot to talk about and dissect. Again, so I want to sort of preface before I go on and uh, read these two stories to you from the New York Times, and then CNN Online, that I myself am not, um, this is a completely, uh, what do you call it, nonpartisan uh, sort of uh, review of the news. I'm literally just reporting it, um, but, you know, I might make a joke here and there, but, you know, it's... Uh, it is what it is, and I just felt it was very important to make this episode primarily about Mr. Sanders and Miss Trip, but Linda Trip. I, I mean, I will have some things to say about that. But anyways, let's uh, let's uh, dabble in this. So the first story of the day comes from um, the New York Times, and I'm going to read from CNN. But so here we go. Here, uh, okay, the New York Times. Bernie Sanders drops out of 2020 Democratic race for president. Mr. Sanders, a Democratic socialist, making his second run for the White House, withdrew after a series of losses to Joseph R. Biden Jr., who emerges as the presumptive nominee for the general election. So scary to—so sorry to have a—I just had a really, really big dinner. I had a pasta dinner. Uh, There's this frozen— veggie pasta that i buy from the grocery store and it's so good because I'm, i am i'm myself not a great cook so i buy primarily like already ready-made food but there's this veggie pasta with the most delicious marinara sauce i bought from the grocery store today um and it was just it's like everything more and it's like i'm still like tasting the the amazing um flavors of it so sorry that's why i'm a little uh bear in my throat as they say no what is that bear in your throat no i have a uh hurdle in my throat i don't even know okay anyways here we go here's the article this is written by sydney ember Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont ended his presidential candidacy on Wednesday, concluding a quest that elevated him as a standard bearer of American liberalism and clearing the way for a general election between the presumptive nominee, Democratic nominee, Joseph R. Biden Jr., and President Trump at a time of national crisis. In a live stream speech, Mr. Sanders, eloquent but without his characteristic spark, cast his decision in the broader context of light of the fight against the coronavirus, quote, I cannot in good conscience continue to mount a campaign that cannot win and which would interfere with the important work required of all of us in this difficult hour, Mr. Sanders said, adding, quote, While this campaign is coming to an end, our movement is not. And Mr. Biden, the former vice president, can now lay claim to the Democratic nomination, he still faces considerable challenges in uniting the party and mobilizing a broad base of voters for the November election. Unlike Mr. Sanders, Mr. Biden inspired little enthusiasm among young voters, nor did he develop signature policy proposals. He triumphed because many voters, many voters excuse me rejected Mr. Sanders' policy agenda as too far to the left and prohibitively expansive and were convinced that Mr. Biden had the best chance to beat Mr. Trump in November. Uh, I'm just going to interject and say this author is doing a wonderful job of... Um, providing just details. I just like the details and the facts and, and not, you know, sort of a jabbing in personal opinion. Because often in politics, we find that that is um, ultimately what uh, many of these articles sort of carry in their, their stories. And we just want to get to the point versus hearing, you know, which is why I, the mistress of pop culture, would be a great news anchor for CNN or Fox News or whatever it is, because I would make a little, um, I would make light of the situation and I would just, you know, interject like funny jokes versus, you know, personal, like, beliefs and policies and whatnot like the only policy i think we should have is like every day of the year should be off and nobody should work we just like would be, we'd be fabulous like who cares about the economy anyways to continue <clears throat> excuse me sorry i had a little throw a little joke there um the motivated liberal democrats who find him frustratingly conventional mr biden 77 will most likely need to do far more than articulate an agenda on Foundational democratic issues like healthcare and climate change. Those issues are central to Mr. Sanders' candidacy, and in recent days, as Mr. Sanders began to consider dropping out more seriously, his aides intensified talks to find common ground with the Biden campaign. I wonder if um, uh, Joe Biden's going to pick Bernie Sanders as his VP. I think he's going to pick a woman, though, because he, he did make a vow that he would pick a woman to be his running mate, and as he should, because women are, if not they're just as qualified, but if not more so, then men are to be president. And I think, I hope... In my lifetime, I hope we see a female president. I mean, I obviously thought we were going to in our last election, but, you know, things change as life happens. you got to be flexible. you got to roll with the punches, as they say. To continue, Mr. Sanders ultimately became satisfied that there was movement in directions that he wanted. A top aide said, the Biden campaign is expected to roll out a series of policy agreements with Mr. Sanders on health care and other issues, potentially including student loans starting on Thursday, according to three people with direct knowledge of their plans, the two camps were still negotiating the details on Wednesday, and while Mr. Biden is not expected to embrace Mr. Sanders' full-throated call for Medicare for All, for example, they are striving to arrive at positions with which they are both comfortable. Shortly after Mr. Sanders spoke on Wednesday, Mr. Biden issued a statement thanking his opponent while acknowledging the need to draw Mr. Sanders' loyal base into his coalition. Quote, I'll be reaching out to you, Mr. Biden wrote. You'll, you will be heard by me. And to your supporters, he added, I... Make the same commitment. I see you, I hear you, and I understand the urgency of what it is we have to get done in this country. Hold on, you guys. have to clear my throat. <clears> throat> Sorry about that. I also haven't had my uh, evening glass of red wine, um, a nice Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, and I usually, you know, like to have a nice glass of wine, watch a film... But, uh, you know, I figured I wanted to be very clear-headed when I reported this, because I'm going to record another episode, which is um, more pop culture-based following this. But I thought, you know, I want to be very coherent and, you know, reporting the very important facts of the uh, political America that we're living in right now. Okay, to finalize this article, though Mr. Sanders made it clear... On Wednesday that he viewed Mr. Biden as the party's twenty twenty nominee, he said that he would remain on the ballot and I'm sorry, he would remain on the ballot in states that have primaries to try to gather delegates. A move that could give him leverage to influence the Democratic platform and continue carrying his message. Mr. Sanders' departure from the race is a striking turnaround for a candidate who, less than two months ago, was clear was the clear frontrunner after finishing in a virtual tie for first in Iowa and winning in New Hampshire and Nevada. But in a race reshaped and eclipsed by the escalating coronavirus crisis, Mr. Sanders faced no realistic path to the nomination after a series of lopsided losses to Mr. Biden beginning in South Carolina in late February and culminating with victories by Mr. Biden in crucial states like Michigan and Florida last month, persistent and unyielding in pushing his agenda. Mr. Sanders is loath to admit defeat, with his withdrawal represents a tacit concession. Ooh, big word. Um, That without a chance of overtaking Mr. Biden, he would have more. Or leverage to advance his priorities if he ceded the race and joined forces with his rival. His exit is also a sharp contrast to his bid in 2016 when he stayed in an increasingly acrimonious race against Hillary Clinton, even after it became clear that she would be the nominee. Talks between the Biden and Sanders camps at this time around were eased by the cordial relationship between the two principals. Mr. Sanders has told people close to him that he appreciated the fact that Mr. Biden did not overtly pressure him to quit after Super Tuesday. Mr. Sanders also talked to former President Barack Obama at least twice in the last month. A person familiar with the discussion said, with Mr. Obama praising the Vermont senator's campaign and emphasizing the need to unite against Mr. Trump. Mr. Obama, who has told friends he hopes to ease the integration of Sanders voters into the party, made no effort to pressure him to leave. I think that this is just so classy. You know, of course, I love Obama. He was a class act. I voted for him in two thousand eight again, two thousand twelve. Um, I will. I mean, I will admit that. I will openly admit that. Um, but I think it's great that, you know, the, I guess it's been so hush hash that, you know, he's been in communication with him and, you know, uh, very gently trying to ease the two, I guess, merge the party together. And that's, you know, what it's all about. Because um, from obviously everything I've been reading and I read all the news outlets, I read Fox, NBC, uh CNN, and it just seems as though the Democratic Party has to unite because they obviously want to win. And um, understandably so. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay, to continue. Um, let's see. As Mr. Sanders pursued the White House for a second time, he promised that he would... Sorry, that he could transform the electorate, bringing new voters under the Democratic tent, but that global uh, that goal eluded him. Even Mr. Sanders has lamented that he was unable to produce a surge in young voters. In early primaries this year, he also failed to show that he had remedied a crucial weakness from his 2016 run, a lack of support from African-American voters, a vital base of the Democratic Party, and state after state across the South, Alabama, the Carolinas, Mississippi, Virginia, he was unable to chip away at Mr. Biden's strong support among African-Americans. In many ways, Mr. Sanders never overcame that widely held view among Democrats that he was a political outlier a self-described democratic socialist who proudly proclaimed himself to be an independent senator from Vermont rather than a member of the party establishment. Mr. Sanders championed liberal policies like Medicare for All and tuition-free four-year public colleges aimed at lifting up America's working class, but he faced opposition from many party leaders, elected officials and major donors, as well as large members of moderate voters who saw him as too far left. Mr. Sanders never accepted that argument. In recent weeks, he said that he repeatedly, he said he repeatedly I'm sorry. In recent weeks he said repeatedly that he had won the ideological debate, asserting that a strong majority of Democrats supported his progressive agenda. But during a striking news conference in Burlington, Vermont last month, he also acknowledged that he was losing the electability battle to Mr. Biden, saying voters had made it clear that they thought the former vice president was the best candidate to beat Mr. T, Mr. Trump, of course. The president immediately tried to sow discord among Democrats in a Twitter. Post, I saw this this morning and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I literally cringed. Um, in a Twitter post, he blamed Mr. Sanders' inability to win Super Tuesday states on his ideological rival, Senator Elizabeth Warren, and then invited Sanders supporters to, quote, come to the Republican Party, lol. Um. Well, the article doesn't say lol, that's Andrew's words, lol. At his evening news br- uh, briefing, Mr. Trump was more pointed towards Mr. Biden, saying, quote, it amazes me that President Obama hasn't supported Sleepy Joe. It just hasn't happened. When is it going to happen? Indeed, Mr. Trump's... um." Penchant for no-holds-barred political combat presents another challenge for Mr. Biden. Some Democrats question whether he can withstand the kind of uh, bitingly personal onslaught that Mr. Trump is certain to direct his way in the general election. The president's efforts to tar Mr. Biden with the overseas business dealings of his son, Hunter, already upended the campaign once and led to Mr. Trump's impeachment. Mr. Sanders, 78, leaves the campaign, having almost single-handedly moved the Democratic Party to the left. He also transformed the way Democratic campaigns raise money, eschewing big fundraisers, and instead relying on an army of small-dollar donors. But as he ascended to the top of the field in February, establishment Democrats scrambled to block his path, convinced his far-reaching proposals would alienate great swaths of the electorate and make him an easy target for Mr. Trump. Moderate candidates in the race who could not overcome Mr. Biden dropped out and endorsed him just before Super Tuesday on March 3rd, helping him sweep 10 of 14 states on the biggest voting day of the primary that led to a wave of new endorsements and a remarkable coalescing around Mr. Biden and that Mr. Sanders could not not match on the left. Mr. Sanders' insistence on Wednesday that he wants to amass delegates to exert influence on the platform has convinced some Democrats that a scaled down or even virtual convention this summer might be preferable to a traditional event. If the nomination is conferred virtually, the argument goes Mr. Biden's campaign can control the platform deliberations and program entirely and ensure minimal dissent from Sanders supporters and networks and cable stations would still carry what whatever speeches Mr. Biden's advisors plan. And there would be no live audience to interrupt the proceedings for the most um, of his, for, for most of his campaign, excuse me, Mr. Sanders largely stuck to his familiar message, battling establishment forces rather than his immediate immediate rivals. And made a slump in the polls in the fall, he suffered a heart attack, which was very sad. I, I thought it was very sad, but amazing resilience, right? Just thinking about how you could have a heart attack and literally come out, come back out like a bull, and you're just literally ahead at the top of the polls. Like that's incredible. That is called resilience. That is called determination. That is called amazing. Those are Andrew's words again, not the article. I'm going to finish this up really quick. Um, he suffered a heart attack while campaigning in Las Vegas. A st- startling event that threatened to append his bid. But in a remarkable turn of events, as he stood on the debate stage just two weeks after his heart attack, he received the endorsement of Representative Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez of New York, one of the most visible liberal congresswomen and a star in the left. Um, It helped jumpstart his candidacy just as it appeared in Jeopardy, jeopardy of collapsing. The endorsement helped carry him through the late fall and early winter and January. As the first voting approached, Mr. Sanders was surging. When he dominated the field in Nevada caucuses in February, there was suddenly talk that he might run away with the nomination, but his loss in South Carolina to Mr. Biden, who had emerged as a leading moderate in the race, brought his momentum to an abrupt halt. That is from the New York Times. Really well written. Um, Now I'm going to read to you what CNN has. uh, But first, a word from our sponsors, and then on to the next story. Thank you, Anchor. Okay, so our next story... um, and if this if this article pretty much summarizes what exact what it, what I just read on the New York Times, which just so poignantly you know put out all the details, then I obviously won't read the entire thing. But uh, this is from CNN. Uh, CNN politics, of course. Bernie Sanders drops out of the 2020 race, clearing Joe Biden's path for the Democratic nomination. Senator Bernie Sanders ended his presidential campaign on Wednesday, clearing Joe Biden's path to the Democratic nomination in a showdown with President Trump in November, which, by the way, I'm going to be living for. I'm going to be eating my popcorn. Well, I don't know. Is social distancing still going to be a thing in uh, November? I mean, if it is, then I wonder how they're going to do the debates. Are they going to Skype their debates? Are they going to FaceTime their debates? That would just be wild to see that, but it would be so interesting. It would be totally, like, in tune with the times. But I personally hope i am hoping that they're going to be together and, uh... I would love to see it because I'm sure it's going to be hilarious. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay, to continue. Um, Quote, uh, Sanders uh, first made the announcement in a call with the staff, his campaign said, quote, I wish I could give you better news, but I think that you know the truth, and that is that we are now some 300 delegates behind Vice President Biden, and the path toward victory is virtually impossible, Sanders said in a live stream after the call. Quote, so while we are winning the ideological battle, and while we are winning the support of so many young people and working people throughout the country, I have concluded that this battle for the Democratic nomination will not be successful. And so today, I am announcing the suspension of my campaign. Sanders' exit caps a stunning reversal of fortune following a strong performance in the first three states that voted in February. The nomination appeared his for the taking until, on the last day of February, Biden surged to a blowout victory in South Carolina that set up a consolidation of moderate voters around the former vice president. The contest ends now as the country continues to grapple with the coronavirus pandemic, which halted in-person campaigning for both Sanders and Biden and has led many states to delay their primary elections. Sanders said he did not make the decision lightly, describing it as a, quote, very difficult and painful decision, quote, well, continuing, quote, uh, over the past few weeks, Jane and I, in consultation with our top staff and many of our prominent supporters, have made an honest assessment of the prospects for victory. If I believe we had a feasible path to the nomination, I would certainly continue the campaign, but it's just not there, he said. Sanders' departure from the race is a sharp blow to progressives who rose up during and after the 2016 campaign and commanded the uh, Democratic Party's Trump-era debates over issues like healthcare, climate change, and the effects of growing economic inequality. Quote, Few would deny that over the course of the past five years, our movement has won the ideological struggle, Sanders said on Wednesday. Quote, well, ending quote, um, and then another quote, sorry for all the quotes, um, I just want to properly source this article. Uh, it was not long ago that people consider these ideas radical and fringe today. They are, main sh- they are mainstream ideas. Many of them are already being implemented in cities and states across the country. But even as his policies grew more popular over the years in, into the primary season, the Vermont senator struggled to broaden his own support and galvanize a winning coalition. Now, quote, as he Sorry, no quote. Now, as he did after leaving the 2016 primary, Sanders will seek to influence the presumptive nominee through the means of what he knows best from the outside in. Biden has already made gestures towards Sanders' populist base, which formed a movement over the past five years that could be critical to defeating Trump in the fall. Whether the former vice president will take the necessary steps to win over the holdouts and the extent to which Sanders goes to make the case will be a running subplot until Election Day. Sanders' decision to remain on the primary ballot in order to amass, quote, as many delegates as possible as part of an effort he said to exert significant influence over the party platform and other functions at this summer's convention underscores the death of the divisions both he and Biden still have to bridge. Uh, Sanders and Biden spoke Wednesday morning. The Vermont senator telling the former vice president about his decision to end his presidential campaign, according to people familiar with the call. In a statement after Sanders' announcement, Biden called the senator "quote a powerful voice for a fair and more just America," and said his campaign impact on the election is far from over. He also made an explicit call for Sanders supporters to join him. "Quote," and I might have already read this in the New York Times article, but again, I'm going to reiterate some parts. "Um, and to Sanders supporters, I make the same commitment to you. Uh, same commitment. I see you. I hear you, and I understand the urgency of what." It is we have to get done in this country. I hope you will join us. You are more than welcome. You are needed. Biden said Sanders also acknowledged on Wednesday that some of his supporters would be disappointed by his exit quote. I know there I know that there may be some in our movement who disagree with this decision who would like us to keep who would like us to fight until the last ballot cast the democratic convention. I understand that position, he said, but as I see the crisis gripping the nation exacerbated by a president unwilling or unable to provide any kind of credible leadership in the work that needs to be done to protect the people in the most desperate hour. I cannot in good conscience continue to mount a campaign that cannot win and which would interfere with the important work required of all of this, all of us in this difficult hour. Very true. The pivot from the four and five event days came abruptly last month as Americans attempted to combat the coronavirus by staying sometimes on state and local leaders' order inside their homes. The Sanders campaign held its final live public event on March 9th, my mother's birthday. Transitioning from packed raucous rallies to an entirely digital operation, he communicated almost exclusively through virtual town halls and live streams focused on the coronavirus crisis and how his progressive agenda, headlined by, quote, Medicare for All, might have prevented it or helped cushion the blow. It was a point he return to on Wednesday morning, quote, this current horrific crisis we are now in has exposed for all of us to see how absurd our current employer-based health insurance system is, Sanders said. The current economic downturn we are experiencing has not only led to a massive loss of jobs, but has also resulted in millions of Americans losing their health insurance. Even in the end, the message remained the same for Sanders supporters, though, The extent was jarring. Less than two months ago, the Vermont senator appeared poised to run away with the nomination after a strong performance in Iowa and the victories in New Hampshire. Okay, so this pretty much just reiterates what the New York Times article said, but I just wanted to read that to you because um, I think CNN and New York Times just do an incredible job of uh, really mapping out the points of uh, these political stories. So, very well done, uh, Mr. Sanders. What a, what a, what a, what? I, I, I don't even have the words. What, um ambition you have, what drive, what... Uh, I, I only hope when I'm in my 70s and 80s that I, I have that much stamina to keep going. Um, and I just think it's incredible because I... First of all, I, can, I can't even imagine running for any type of office. I just don't think I have the, the thick, thick enough skin for it. I mean, I, I do have thick skin, but I don't think I have the ability to just put myself out there and literally have people hating you or loving you or, or just live, live living, eating, breathing your sort of uh, belief system and following you like that. I just it takes a certain person and you know i bet you obama's literally sitting on a beach somewhere or in one of his gorgeous houses just being like damn i did that i mean i can't even imagine it just fabulous so congratulations bernie sanders that's not, not a loss it's a win look how far you got and even after you had a heart attack you just got right back up and you know kept going and that's a that's a life lesson for all of us that no matter what life throws at you you just gotta get up and keep on going so very well done uh very well done. So that's pretty much what I have to report on Mr. Sanders. And now, uh, a bit of a sad story with Linda Tripp. Um, Linda Tripp, whose uh, tapes were pivotal in the Clinton impeachment scandal, has passed away. Uh, sorry, my friend is um, sending me a message. So, sorry, I, I'm recording on my phone because, you know, I'm just you know being silly like that. Okay, here we go. Um, this is written by, this is from CNN, uh, Jamie Gangle and Caroline Kelly. Linda Tripp, who secretly recorded her conversations with Monica Lewinsky about the then-intern's relationship with President Bill Clinton in the White House, has died, according to her mother, uh, Ing Inge, Inge Carotenuto, and her former attorney, Joseph Martha. Uh, her mother told CNN that Tripp had been diagnosed with late-stage pancreatic lymph node cancer in the past. In the last few days, Tripp had previously been treated for breast cancer. She was 70. Tripp, a friend of Lewinsky's at the time, turned the 20 hours of tapes over to the special prosecutor, Kenneth Starr. The scandal ultimately led to Clinton's impeachment for her perjury and obstruction of justice, though he was ultimately acquitted in the Senate. Lewinsky, despite their prior experiences, expressed well wishes to Tripp, as reports um, indicated Wednesday that her health was failing. "Quote: No matter the past, upon hearing that Linda Tripp was very seriously ill, I hope for her recovery. I can't imagine how difficult this is for her family Lewinsky treated. I'm just going to put a pause in reading this article right now and say what a... I'm sure, I, I mean, I was very young when this whole, when this was all unfolding. I mean, I remember, like, out of my peripheral, seeing it on the news and my parents were watching it, and then, of course, in, in history class, learning about it, but, um, I mean, for Monica Lewinsky, who basically was thrown under her bus by Linda Trap, essentially, I guess to put it lightly, to for her to actually wish her well and wish her well recovery, that takes a really big person, but also, you know, they say time heals most wounds, hopefully, um, that's just so big of Monica Lewinsky and I cannot even, I, I, I hope I am that forgiving. And I mean, of course, given this like horrible time we're all going through right now with the coronavirus, perspective shifts and changes and you just, you see the world a lot differently, you know, when everybody's sort of facing the same, uh, foe, enemy. Um, but yeah, that's, a, I thought that was really a standout sort of uh response. Um, and it, it wasn't at all like thirsty. It seemed, it just seemed like genuinely like she cared. So anyways, continue. <sighs> Lewinsky began to tell Trip, a coworker of hers at the Pentagon, of her relationship with Clinton in the summer of '96. Trip began taping their conversations in the fall of '97. I mean, that's just like that's shady, <laughs> but her, I mean, her, her, kind of a little scandal. Um, after contacting Starr about the tapes in January '98, she met with Lewinsky again while wearing a wire. At which point, Lewinsky coached Trip on what to tell lawyers about Kenneth. Um. Willie, Wiley, another former White House staffer who had testified about alleged unsolicited sexual advances made by Clinton in 93. When asked on Larry King in 2003 whether she regretted it, Tripp replied, no, I would do it again. I told Lewinsky, I would not fix a court case. I would not help fix a court case, Tripp said, yet I knew the president of the United States and Monica were intending to do that. Speaking on the podcast Slow Burn in 2018, Tripp defended her actions as motivated by the idea that it would ultimately help Lewinsky, quote, This was flying by the seats of my pants, terrified out of my wits, completely guilt-ridden that I was having to manipulate her, but convinced in my soul that it would end it that to that in the end it would benefit her. Um, Well, let me continue this, and then I'm going to interject my opinion Um, that he would no longer be able to do this to her anyone else she recounted um i'm going to interject really quick and say i've heard some of the tapes and i remember monica would be really really upset and just recalling what was going through her mind and obviously like the burden of carrying a secret like that where you're having an affair with the president of the united states and he's married and he has a daughter chelsea i mean i can't even imagine that kind of stress. but like obviously she wanted to find someone maybe she thought linda was going to be like a, a helping friend like a year and maybe linda trip really was telling the truth that the, her end game was to ultimately help monica let can get out of this but like at the same time, like, tell about record your recording conversations. Like, if I found out anyone of my friends were recording a conversation about me, if I was telling them intimate details of my personal life, which I never do, um, I'd be like, "You're out of my life, bitch." But you know, we're all different people. Oh, so they continue this article. Um, "Quote: There wasn't a thing about those three months that were authentic. Everything prior to that was, <clears throat> excuse me. But I needed everything to be recreated, and it was beyond manipulative," she said. "Did I want to do that? Not necessarily, but it felt like I had no choice. Trip was open that she sought." to go after Clinton, saying that Lewinsky's story established, quote, a pattern of behavior that otherwise, I believe, wouldn't have had credibility, and that she was, quote, eager for this information to fall into the hands of the Paula Jones attorneys who sued the president on sexual harassment charges. But to say it was distasteful, to this day, I have enormous guilt about. Uh, disseminating information to the press and FBI, she said, quote, and all of the people I care about understanding, she's the one I wish I could convince, Trump added, referring to Lewinsky, and that'll never happen, so that's the end of the article. And then I actually, I'm going to pull a TMZ article up because TMZ reported it too, and I'm just going to read to see if they have any um, additional deets about this particular story. Sorry, TMZ, I thought I had it pulled up here. Uh, just bear with me for one moment. Oh, here we go. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, Linda Tripp, Clinton Lewis, a whistleblower, dad at 70, um, uh, Linda Tripp, who's recorded a conversation with Monica Lewinsky, led to President Clinton's impeachment. Blah 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 blah. Uh, Allison Tripp Foley said late Tuesday, "My mommy is leaving this earth. I don't know myself if I can survive this heartache." In her Facebook post, Allison said she was at her mother's bedside and she asked for prayers for quote a painless process for the strongest woman I will ever know in my entire lifetime." She's not yet revealed the illness, um, uh, will be now know it's pancreatic cancer. Trip is known for, Trip is known as a whistleblower for turning over secretly recorded conversations with Lewinsky to Ken Starr, 98, um, Linda and her husband, Dieter Roche, have two children, Allison and Ryan, okay, here's some updates. Uh, Linda died Wednesday, according to her family, we're told she passed in the morning. There are reports she'd been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, although the family has not confirmed that Linda was 70, and then, of course, the Monica Lewinsky, uh, tweet which was very sweet. But anyways, yeah, so that's the rest in peace Linda trip. I mean, you lived an extraordinary life and you were a part of history forever. Um so yeah, so anyways, uh, that's my story for you guys. I'm going to have another episode um that is uh well, more I guess entertainment based. Um but yeah, so if, if for for you for new listeners, welcome. I'm Andrew. So, thank you so much for listening for my current users. Love uh, current users. Current listeners love you. Um but I'm going to have another episode today too. It's a little bit more pop pop culture base because there's some fun pop culture stories out there today all right everybody have a good one have a great day stay safe wash your hands social distance self-isolate stay clean eat some food kick your heels off and uh listen to my podcast and it's just a pop culture bye